This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So now the end is near as we have just two game weeks remaining uh, before the restart ends or indeed we're put out of our misery, depending on how the tail end rump of the strangest of seasons has gone for you. We're recording just after the Palace United game in regulation 2-0 victory for United. Um, and we're coming at you one day earlier than usual. So we don't know the outcome of the West Ham Watford game in this podcast. Basically, I don't fancy spending a Friday night editing, but you know, I think it's quite an achievement to come this far, isn't it? Before we've had the pod, but didn't include the whole game week. And I'll need to repl- replace hard work with decent night's sleep before long. Uh, but anyway, uh, back again with Stagosaurus and Nicholas. Nick first, sup? Hey Tom, yeah, it, it definitely feels like that season is a sort of trending and stuttering to its conclusion, which what was pretty dreadful game recall in all, not the most eventful, but still plenty of uh, stuff to discuss and I digest as we approach this end of this strangest season in Premier League history. A reminder who we are, we are Who Got The Assist, we're on Twitter, all of us are, um, at WGT underscore FPL for Tom, at WGT underscore Nick for me, at FPL Stag for Anthony, and we're also on Instagram. So make sure to give us a follow there. So we've reached 500 followers now, which is very exciting. WGTA.FPL. So, Anthony, how are you doing? Evening, Nicholas. Evening, Thomas. Good to be back again. Um, of course, uh, nice to be recording. Only two left for the rest of the season, which is mad. Yep. It's been it's been odd the way this all of them have come thick and fast. So, oddly, it feels like, I don't know, a culmination of something that we're nearly there at this point. So, anyway, moving on. Podcast itself this week, starting with the market forces, as you've got used to at this point, dear listeners. And then we're going to move on to looking at the market itself for once and how it has evolved over the course of this season. And we'll discuss that then. Standard old questions. Thank you for those. And we move on to our transfers and captains for the coming game week. But first, starting with the game week review and like London buses, what has happened, Tom? (sighs) 
you've done very well, Clotius Maximus. I've done very <laughs> bad, and Nick's somehow in the middle, uh, managing, I'm guessing, to preserve a green arrow. Um, after uh, you know, I flourished a couple of weeks ago, I've descended once more into mediocrity. 46 points this game week. Captain Pulisic uh, only got an assist. And I, I, you know, on Tuesday, I was a bit annoyed at that. I posted on Twitter that assist got like a blank. On Wednesday, after the Man City assets, you know, Sterling, uh, my uh, mini-league rival and my cousin, triple captain Sterling for a one-pointer times three. So I was very, very happy with that. Apologies if you, if you were a Sterling captain, but to be honest, my mini-league and that rivalry, huge. Um and you know, Foden blanked and Kevin De Bruyne didn't show up. And Jesus, who I did bring in this week. So I brought in Jesus and uh, Foden. Sold Mares, who was benched, and Calvert-Lewin, who was toilet. Uh, Jesus actually did something. He did a goal, uh, which is quite good. Uh, but to be honest, Jesus, Vardy got an assist today, Fernandez and uh, Maguire, uh, who had like, numerous opportunities to do an actual goal. Um, but his 50p head meant that they didn't score, didn't do anything. Um, and yeah, 46 points is what I've ended up on the game with, with Greenwood coming off the bench for KDB. Really disappointing. And I think it, it's become time where I've got to have to get one of Rashford and Martial in, I think. Uh, yeah, another hit. Game week 37, Christ. Nick, how'd you do? Uh, yeah, not much better, to be honest. Uh, at the moment, I'm on 48, but I've still got Aaron Cresswell to come on, so it's probably going to be 45 or something by the end of the game week. Captain, same guy as you, Christian Pulisic, just the assists, a bit rubbish at the time, but then um, I had my three Manchester City assets, De Bruyne, Sterling and Mahrez, and none of them started, which was pretty damn terrible. All in all, Sterling and uh, Mahrez came on for one-pointers. De Bruyne didn't show at all. But luckily, that actually ended up being to my advantage because I still got Raul Jimenez and he's come off the bench for nine points. So I, I don't feel too aggrieved there. A bit lucky to, to get that nine-point return from Jimenez. Uh, Pope only got the three-pointer again and Sice lost his clean sheet right at the last minute which is the third game week in a row that's happened to me. But the only shining light there was Marcus Rashford in the uh, game tonight, getting that 12-pointer, which has sort of, sort of saved it a little bit. So it's probably going to be, as Tom, Tom alluded to, a, a tiniest of tiny green arrows once Cresswell has played. And finally, Anthony, I hear you had a good week. Again, it's a bit like last week, where it's like good is kind of you know overemphasizing what 65 minus 8 is, but maybe in the context of things, strong green arrows and eye-wateringly high rank of 622k predicted with just that game which I have no representation in to go um but look I'll be I'll take it anyway I suppose um highlights I guess include my triple transfer that I did again to take that minus eight hit I moved out Trent Alexander-Arnold and brought in Marcus Alonso chasing I guess like a big haul if it was to come it proved anyway to be a justified move um based on the points they scored so you know some outcome bias there um, I also shifted out Kevin De Bruyne for Raheem Sterling. That unfortunately didn't work out, especially because I captained him. Of course, I could look back and think that was a disaster, but I suppose at one point I was looking at him lining up to take a penalty with the ball in his hand, um, ready yeah. to take it, and it didn't happen. Um, so, And he did have his chances even after coming on as a substitute. So look, these things happen. And uh, Jamie Vardy to Gabriel Jesus, so he, he did actually, actually score. So look, we'll, we'll take that. Otherwise, my triple United of Fernandez, Martial and Rashford came through. Pulisic with the assist, Jimenez 
Matt Doherty off the bench to get four points and then taking away all of his compatriots' clean sheet to give away a penalty. What's Thanks, a Matt. Wanker. What a man. <laughs> what a man. And um, actually, oddly, Charlie Taylor going off for one point um, looked like a bit of a disaster, but he ended up getting one more point than John Egan, who was first bench. So we'll take it. Uh, yeah, overall, a fine week. But again, um, just underlying how bad the season is when I'm happy about 65 minus eight and going up to 622k. Yeah, hitting your way up uh, the rankings. Uh, not much track left, but you know, inside the top of 500k is possible, it's viable, it's a good aim. Uh, dear. Always next season. Right, let's move on to the market forces. And uh, well, uh, obviously, as I mentioned, we're still um, not with a game week complete, and it's a really weird set of transfers, really weird market forces this week, isn't it, Nick? It looks like either people haven't realized the game week's finished or people just don't care. They just, when will this end? They must be saying because it doesn't have as much activity. It's relatively quiet. I mean, the most transferred in player this game week, it's a very odd one. It's Tarkowski of Burnley with um, 47,000 transfers in at the time of recording. Uh, everyone's clearly cottoned on to this guy that is the must-own for game week 37. I mean, Burnley have Norwich and Brighton to finish the season and Tarko's only had one blank in his last Six games, um, 14 clean sheets as well this season, thanks mainly to the goalkeeper Nick Pope's heroic. So uh, I guess if you're looking for a defender, Tarko appears to be, after we saw last week, a, a mixed bag of choices. Tarko seems to be the main man who's coming in because it's, it's defenders being sold as well. It's um, Soyuncu, obviously suspended. I've still got to get rid of the guy, 54,000 chances out this time. And um, people giving out with Trent as well. That's uh, the third blank in a row, I think. And it's, say, 35,000 managers have transferred in Trent at this moment in time. Yeah, I guess uh, looking further up the field then, um, oddly enough, even though United's game has just finished, Tony Marshall is the most transferred in midfielder with just ahead of maybe the sentimental pick, uh, David Silva, which um, I guess is nice. But I think there's been a bit of an overblown sense of like we're losing one of the greatest players of all time at the moment um, in the commentary. And that's kind of driving me nuts. And uh, Danny Ings, the most transferred in forward as well. Yeah, I think Martial uh, makes sense. He's, he's now on 17 goals for the, for the season. It's his most prolific since uh, joining the club and also seven assists, which is also his highest um, assist record since uh, joining Manchester United. So, obviously, a lot of interest in him. Um, he was second in the market forces before the game had kicked off. So, people were still looking at him anyway. And uh, after the goal and assist against Southampton, he scored again tonight. So, a lot of lot of interest for um, Anthony Martial is also out of position now up to 8.4 million in price. So David Silva, we talked about him on the last pod as um, you know, a really good pick for this game week. And obviously, yeah, he, he did fantastically well with the 13-pointer. Really high score for anyone that brought him in. But I was, I was a bit surprised to see such a sort of reactionary response, I guess. The, um, you know, so many people bringing him in, 26,000 so far. But just because it's like, I don't even know if he's going to play in 37. You expect him to play in 38 for sure, but surely De, surely De Bruyne is going to come back in, you know, Maris and Sterling, etc. Just felt like that was a little bit reactionary. And finally as well, it's just, uh, Sons, the other one in the market forces being brought in. Another one that was a bit surprising, I guess, 23,000 transfers in. But he has scored um, two games in a row. The Spurs do have um, Leicester up next, which is a, it's a tougher fixture. And I think there are, better midfielders out there that, um, than Son that perhaps people should be looking at. So I was a little bit surprised to see so many people bringing him in as well. 
And I guess maybe the, the fickle nature of FPL managers being underlined by the most sold uh, midfielders and forwards in that uh, it's Willian, De Bruyne and Salah and Stan Pulisic actually are topping the midfielders list. Uh, whereas amongst the forwards, it's uh, Mason Greenwood, who um, of course has been so popular for the last few weeks, but suddenly he's outscored for so two game weeks in a row by some of his teammates. And now suddenly um, people are trying to find a way to get Rashford slash Marshall slash Fernandez into their teams. Yeah, and um, obviously Kevin De Bruyne, um, the, the sales for him as well, 35,000 transfers out of time of recording, didn't play uh, the game against uh, Bournemouth, much much to his chagrin apparently. Uh, it's been reported in The Athletic that he's really eyeing up his uh, national assistant manager Thierry Henry's all-time assist record in the Premier League. He's on 18 this season, Henry got 20 in one season not uh, quite a few years ago. So apparently he's well up for it, um, to use a popular phrase, and you know, what for the Norwich left for him. Uh, yeah, could people who have sold him uh, be regretting that? Hmm, I don't know. I, I love the fact that people have seen enough of Greenwood. It's amazing how fickle as you said Anthony, fickle things are and how short the time periods are in terms of turnaround. Uh, one week you're flying high and the next you're uh, yeah, on the floor, right? Cool. All right. And I guess talking about the market itself this week is going to be what our main theme is. And I think we'll be providing a bit of review of how the season has gone in that regard. Plus, you know, some commentary in German about how it works. I mean, at this point, you're all engaged listeners, so we're not going to be telling you the obvious foundational stuff. We're going to be kind of talking about in terms of analytical lens. We'll look at one-week punts and stuff like that next week, but I didn't want to do the same pod twice. So this is a real case of us kind of consciously thinking, now for something completely different, supplement more practical information, you'll no doubt be hearing elsewhere. Uh, we'll put some psychology in there too, just to keep it interesting, basically, and provide a unique type of GTA spin. And in the questions as well, of course, the more practical things will be addressed. So the key thing, the FPL market, why does the market move? I think probably the key aspect here is herd mentality uh, herd mentality is uh, is obviously one of those ones that people parrot a lot in the community a lot of the time as well a bit like people talking about zonal marking on bt and um, a lot of people don't actually know what that means so i thought i'd probably just define that for you a bit more psychology this week a herd mentality is a very well-known idea that, that you have a non-conscious need to conform to some extent think about how you mostly wear the same clothes other people do or partake in social conventions like exchanging birthday greetings unless you're a goth in both uh, circumstances there's evolutionary psychology to this. Think about cave people. Imagine somebody brings back a dead mammoth to feast on to your cave community. You want in on that dining party to eat that woolly mm. mammoth for two reasons. Yeah. <laughs> One, greed. You want it for yourself so you can live another day and continue to spread those genes, go forth and multiply. Fear. If you don't have it, you'll die. Simple as that. Uh, the evolutionary feeling now is not so much life and death, but it still has a bearing on their on their everyday life. And to move from the highbrow to mainstream, herd mentality is a huge shortcut utilized by, by us humans doing everything basically in our day-to-day lives, but in our case, playing FPL. For casuals particularly, and friends of mine I've seen, and one of them does play fairly regularly and keeps up until kind of you know, uh, you know March something like that per season. And I've seen him on Friday nights go, oh, I've got to do my transfers. Just look at his app, filter on most transfers in for the position he wants to bring in and buy the top player in. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the sense of social proofing. I guess you guys probably know what that is, but, you know, think about how big brands kind of work. Everyone else has it, everyone, everyone else uses it, it must be good. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle with this herd mentality. People are buying, so the player is rising, so more people buy, so the player is likely to rise. That fear, that greed all plays a part. It's fine at this stage, but you know, a regular season on a Sunday night, if a player's rising, you want to bring in. But midweek, there's a Champions League game or a cup game, and you know, there's training, all this sort of thing. 
it's a real problem, isn't it? So yeah, that's herd mentality. Fear, greed, driving the casuals wild. What do you guys think about all of that? It's been particularly interesting this year. There's been a, f- a few bandwagons which we're going to go on to in a little bit, but it, it's quite interesting when you talk about value, for instance. So obviously, right at the start of the situation, one example is of John Lundstrom started off at four million, didn't he? And uh, was a bargain. He was a real bargain at that particular price, and loads of people bringing him in. And eventually, he actually rose all the way up to 5.2 million by game week 18. At this point, um, the Lord, as he got referred to by the community, started to not actually be that decent value. He was no longer a valuable asset. He became an overpriced asset, especially considering he started to lose his place in the team. And by contrast, another player who um, you, you end up with these, these sort of falling stars, these players that perhaps priced a little bit high perhaps at the beginning of the season but because no one was interested in maybe people were selling him they drop in value and then suddenly they become the value assets an example of this to compare Lundstrand with is Serge Aurier for instance okay he hasn't had the best of the seasons with with Spurs but he started off at 5 million and dropped down to 4.8 million so if you compare Aurier at 4.8 million to Lundstrand at 5.2 million suddenly Aurier looks like the bargain he's the value pick there in the markets you know reflected the fact that there's been this herd mentality towards Lundstram. Everyone's talking about Lundstram. He's the talk of the, you know, there's all this fear of missing out of this guy. He's a talk of Twitter, everyone posting that he's got a 15-point return, et cetera, et cetera. And the market moves with that. And everyone is driven towards buying this guy. And these other assets appear like Oreo, who is 4.8. And eventually, Lundstram has dropped all the way down to 4.6 million, and perhaps a bit more reflective of what his true value is in FPL. Yeah, like so when when Twitter would erupt with Lundstrom and you just knew you were missing out and after ignoring all the preseason chatter because you'd seen enough Sheffield United fans who were saying that, oh, Lundstrom, I don't think he'll start. He didn't start for us in the championship last year. He's not that important to our system. And Chris Wilder, of course, is overlapping centre-backs and la, la, la. And then suddenly game week two rolls around and 14 points, the man scores a goal. Lundstrom explodes across Twitter. He's pictured with a Ballon d'Or with that wonderful Photoshop. He even picks up on it himself. It's all over the Guardian and B. BBC and everything and then he goes and scores a brace by game week 11 which I think I might have benched him for oh Lundstrom stuff was the worst okay but maybe going back to the market for a second um what I think is quite interesting is that for us on Twitter and us in the FPL community and the engaged followers it's herd mentality and I think maybe risk like picking and choosing the arguments about players that we own or players we're interested in tend to drive decision making whereas the fact of the matter is, it's the, the overall, it's, it's the casuals who actually really drive um, the market itself, because of course, they make up the vast majority of users. And it's, it's, no, it's they don't, our transfers um, of the, the educated FPL enthusiast transfers don't count for more than your random casuals, you know, it's, I guess, it's the problem with democracy globally, is it not? So let's give you a spin cut. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, throw it in. I'm happy with it. Whereas the fact of the matter is, it is those casuals who actually truly drive the market. And so those are people that choose their initial game week one teams based on who played well for England at that international tournament in the summer at Harry Maguire slash who the team they support or how good a player is in FIFA. Um, like These are the sorts of things that tend to drive game week one teams and then tend to drive who's prices especially fall I guess when they're sold because people were maybe misled by FIFA slash performances for the international team and these are also people who then throughout the season will 
just sort by points um, to figure out who their next transfer is based on their budget. Yeah. Or they'll look one game week into the future to see who's, I guess what we were saying recently, who's playing Bournemouth. Or they'll look one game week back and go, oh, who just scored last weekend? And they won't look much further or back. But these are the people that we're beholden to at the end of the day. And I think when we're making our transfer decisions, it is them that are actually really affecting us, not the people on Twitter that necessarily probably get into our head an awful lot more. This is basically like the curious case of Stephen Ward, isn't it, when he was at Burnley? You remember he scored that random goal and got a random assist really early on? I and mean, then he got all the way up to like 5.4 million in four game weeks just because people kept buying him in. His price kept rising. So the kinds of people that you were citing, Stag, um, were just looking at it going, well, you know, he's, he's, he's rising in price. He's, he's, got, he's got the most points because he got a goal and assist. And you had the perfect sort of storm for a player like that. Uh, to really make a splash in the early season market because there are enough people in the market, enough casuals in the market who have that sort of behaviour that they look at who scored the most points uh, you know, the last few game weeks and gone, yep, that'll do. I, I need to get rid of the defender. I think there was no an injury to, I think it was either Carl Walker or Danny Rose at the time. Yeah, get rid of him, right? I've got five point five to spend on the defender. Oh, you know, this, this Ward bloke at Burnley looks all right. Yeah, he scored quite a lot of points for a lucky goal and lucky assist. Yeah, I'll get him in. So he rose all the way up to 5.4. I remember his rest of his competitors were at like 4.5 or something that year. Very, very bizarre indeed. Um, even, but, even this so. season, actually, it was um, his maybe uh, successor at uh, Burnley or one of his many successors, Eric Peters, got 14 points in game week one. He, he, did, got, two, yeah. he got two assists off. If I remember correctly, it was two or three crosses because I remember writing about it for my article at the time. And like he didn't cross again for, I don't know, like, another, like two yeah, or three know, game weeks. Three assists all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, he got three assists all season, of course, but he stopped playing um, at points as well in the season for Burnley. He wasn't first choice and had injuries and things, but his price even went up by 0.3 over the first six or so game weeks. So you're like, and then, and of course, no player at Burnley has fallen by more as a consequence because it's just bottomed out to 4.2 since. Oh, exactly. I remember um, Granite Xhaka a couple of seasons ago, he got two assists on day one and oh, you had people is. buying him in and he went up <laughs> he went up 0.3. It's <laughs> just absolutely, you know, you, as an experienced FPL manager, you're looking at just being like, come on guys, come on. Right, okay, yeah. so Nick mentioned a second ago bandwagons and uh, this is quite an interesting sort of semi-quiz, semi-informative, just to see what we remember about how the season's gone. So Stag, you mentioned Lundstram, Lundstorm, Lord Lundstram, his lordship, first of his name. Um, in terms of the most bought players this year, so mo- most bought players gross, um, where do you think Lundstram is on the list? How many, uh, in terms of just ranking um, how how where do you reckon he sits on that ranking? Maybe, yeah, he's in the top, he's in the top ten. Yeah, right? yeah, he'd probably fourth or so. Maybe fourth says Nick. Mm, so it's basically, basically a higher or lower. I'm going to go with lower. Yeah, lower. So he's eighth actually. Over the course of the season, he's had 4.21 million transfers in, which is pretty crazy. Um, any suggestions who first maybe? Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Okay, you'd be six million far and away the top most yeah. bought player of the whole year. S- surprised Trent isn't closer to him. Like, that would be no, my he's not. Guess. Trent's not even top ten. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second is Tammy Abraham, five point seven seven million. So remember that earlier on in the season. Uh, in fact, you know, one of the first things that me and Nick were saying was, "Oh, this guy. He he can. Only, he only seems to be able to do it against championship teams. He did it against championship yeah. teams. Everyone bought him." And that was when it was really, really um, you know, volatile in the market, so to speak. Um, third is Vardy, 5.41 million. Then uh, Jimenez, 4.6. Mane, 4.4. Ings, Mount, so 4.32, still seventh. Uh, and then Lindstrom, Rashford, and Martial make up the top 10. 
Uh, that's correct. As of one o'clock uh, today, the sixteenth of July. Quite interesting, Salah and Trent not being there. I guess it's possibly because there's so many people who've actually had those they guys already, in in their yeah, game week they, one they already, team, they already had them. and they were in the game and just never left, basically. Yeah. Whereas just, actually, with with Trent, is just surprising because Liverpool's defense was so was so good, but yet didn't get the points that it merited early on. I presumed he might have been sold off and then rebought, even you know that sort of way. But yeah, you yeah. can you can you can imagine that. But he kept I, getting assists and goals, though, didn't he? So even yeah, though they were losing clean sheets, he kept getting eight pointers and six pointers just from assists and goals. You never have a disappointment on uh, mass with Trent, which I think that you did about we did with other players. So oh, by, oh, you do if you sell him, and then he goes and scores. Yeah, 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 yep, you did to me as well. <laughs> but you do have a lot of players who do appear in the most sold, who also appear in the most bought. But in terms of the most bought, because uh, quickly the risers this year, so the top five uh, from their starting price price to the price they are now, who has risen the most? Do we think someone who is low that's now high? I was going to say it might be someone like De Bruyne as well because he, he started at 9.5 million, didn't oh. he? He's gone out oh. quite a bit. Good, good, good pick, right? And Anthony, oh. what do you reckon? Ings? I'm going to go through this. Yes, I go with Ings. Yes, Ings. <laughs> so Ings, the highest riser this year so far. 1.5 million he's risen from his initial 6 million up to 7.5. Uh, Nick, you're second. Uh, KDB, 9.5, 10.8. Third, Bruno. Uh, he's gone up a whole 1.1 million. Uh, 8 million he joined the game at, unbelievably. He's now up to nine point one. That's crazy, That's crazy, staggering, isn't it? That he's yeah, but that. That. He, he's he scored a hundred points now. He scored more points now than Aubameyang did in his kind of revolutionary half season. So next year we're looking at eleven, eleven point five. I think easy. Yeah, I did see Bruno's not had a single game week where he's been um, sold more than bought. Every game week, his um, overall um, ownership has increased since he joined the Premier League. He's yeah. now got two point two million managers that own him, which is pretty phenomenal considering. So many dead teams, and the fact he only joined the game in game week twenty-five. Yeah, so that means that every game week, the last two game weeks, is basically a high-stakes gamble. If you don't captain Bruno, that your guy is going to outscore him. That's basically what you're doing. It's a zero-sum game. Uh, fourth, Martial. He's gone up from seven point five to eight point four. Um, I think a lot of that is fueled by recency, and also Vardy in fifth. He's gone up from nine to nine point eight. Um, and Sif, um, joint Sif, that is, you mentioned TAA. Um, he's gone up from 7, 7.7. Uh, Mane, 11.5, 12.2. And a goalkeeper here features two. Uh, Dean Henderson started at a scarcely believable 4.5, and he's now 5.2. Nick Pope um, also has gone up to 5.1, but Henderson's actually risen the most of all goalkeepers. So, yeah, quite an interesting set of individuals, right? And it just kind of shows over the course of the season how things have gone. I mean, Nick, in terms of bandwagons, in terms of purchase bandwagons that is so positive ones um any that kind of particularly spring to mind over the course of this season well i think obviously i mentioned the bruno one that's definitely one of the most positive bandwagons over the course of the season he's just consistently delivered hasn't he since he joined the premier league and he's certainly going to be in all of our teams when we we start next season that's for sure i think he's potentially going to be an auto-captain as well for many people just set and forget on Bruno because he's he's delivering I actually saw he's, he's nearly on 10 goals and 10 assists double figures for goals and assists because considering that's a half a season he's only been there that's, that's that's really really phenomenal I think he might make it and um, he's only got a couple of games to try and make it but I reckon he'll do it uh, positive bandwagon because I mean there were some interesting ones actually at the start of the season they they went from positive to negative perhaps uh, so Timu Puki he was one of the guys that everyone was in love with at the start of the season was at 6.5 million went up to 7.2 million by game week 8 
and that's because he got six goals in seven games over the course of um over the course of the first seven games uh, but actually since then he's only managed five goals so he actually scored more goals in those first seven game weeks than he's managed um, over the course of the season so he certainly until died a death he was um it was that fateful game week I think game week eight where Pookie got the one pointer against Aston Villa and then the two points against Bournemouth where everything sort of descended and, yeah. and went downhill for him. It? <laughs> it, re- it really did but in I mean 176,000 managers brought him in game week two then it went up to 980,000 managers bringing him in game week three and then another 800,000 the following game week ended up with over three million managers over the team Pookie like Lundstrom it was all about these kind of championship players at the start of the season wasn't it that sort of emerged as real talents like Pookie and and uh, Lundstrom and Abraham and some of these other guys and Mount as well emerged um, another is similar as well Callum Wilson was the other one that I noticed five goals in seven um, at the beginning of the season another massive bandwagon but he's only managed three since then so that's kind of the danger I guess of some of these early bandwagons these players that sort of emerged at the start of the season as new talents that perhaps come from places like the championship that they can't necessarily keep it up and they can't necessarily have that consistency that you see from the likes of De Bruyne or the likes of Martial or Salah you know these seasoned Premier League veterans. Yeah, I was actually th- trying to think of other kind of more mid-season uh, bandwagons. And actually, I was the Harvey Barnes bandwagon was a short-lived one, but was one actually that wasn't quite as big as I thought it was. He only rise, rose in price by 0.3. That's because of Hindu Monkey, 100% yeah. outsized. <laughs> like Ashley Barnes as well, outsized influence on FPL Twitter, but the reality <laughs> was it didn't actually do that much. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. But like, this is a guy who scored, what, five goals and got two assists up between game week 23 and 29. Of course, culminating in probably my least favourite and maybe Nick's favourite night of the season, which was, I think, the last time there was a Premier League game played before the lockdown where he got two goals and an assist uh, but against Villa. But that was just one that kind of stuck out to me. Maybe, I think, because of more... I, I, the way that we can be led by Twitter, as you say, Tom, to think that this bandwagon was absolutely rolling. But in the reality, people were kind of for, didn't really realise that he was starting to start consistently for that Leicester team, which, as it transpired, was definitely on the ebb, but definitely whose results had started to fall at that point. Definitely right. And I think that you know, sometimes we see things happening on Twitter, which look like they're going to be the proper uh, agenda setters, I guess, over the course of the season. But the reality is somewhat different, especially when it comes to selling players and how reactive the core is. In terms of the most sold players this year, who do you guys think is the most sold player gross this season? It's, it's probably someone like Mo Salah. He just like would have been owned so heavily, and then just so many people kind of logging him. He's, he's not going to be the biggest fooler, but he's going to be up there, I think. It's not the biggest fooler; it's the most sold no. player. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly different. So I reckon it. I reckon it. It might be someone like Salah, just because of his popularity, and that he's such mm. a cash cow as well. Or someone like Aubameyang as well. People love to bring him him in and out, don't they? <laughs> okay, interesting. Interesting. Good guesses. I'm I'm kind of thinking along similar lines that it's probably somebody who was you know heavily owned. If it was someone who got, if there was a big player who got injured like De Bruyne did last season, I think. Oh yeah, you're, you're, in, you're, you're in the right. You're in the right area. Completely um, nosedive. I can't think of someone who got injured, but I can think of someone who was sold, and I'll go with Ericsson. No, okay. it was a Tammy Abraham um, ah. who. So he 
interestingly occupies a position where he was the second most bought in gross player this season the top most sold player too so 5.19 million sales overall Tammy this season so he's one of the players who's been brought in and out um like crazy um seconds Rashford 4.27 then Salah Nick's I guess 4.21 Vardy Mane Aubameyang all above 4 million sales overall and then below that 7th to 10th is Conaguero Jimenez KDB and Timmy Puki, 3.73 million sales, which I guess probably is a delineation between people who are still playing now and people who aren't. So you probably see a lot of people with Puki in their teams below the 4 million mark in terms of overall rank because they've given up by game week two or game week three. Uh, the highest defender sale is Lundstram, obviously, in 18th, 2.81 million sales. This interesting one, the biggest fallers. So who do you guys think are the biggest fallers? There are two of them in joint first highest falling, I suppose. 0.9 million they've fallen over the course of this season, but who are they? Very good question. I, I was thinking it was um, Diego Jota, but I think I'm getting my years mixed up. That was last year, wasn't it, when he was a midfielder? Yeah, six it, was, it was disgraceful last dropped. season. Um, one person I thought, I was thinking about some of those really expensive assets that have just done sod all year and just they continue to drop. It was like Pepe, I reckon, might be up there quite high. I think he's dropped at least 0.5 or 0.6. Yeah, I'm trying 0.9. to... Well, yeah, 0.9. It's, it's pretty oh, specialist. Kane? Has Kane had a bit of a fall? No, not, not to that extent. All right, I'll put you both out your misery. So it's Hudson-Odoi and Samata. They've both fallen from 6 to 5.1. So they both had, they probably both had about 100, 200 owners at one point, and these owners have slowly sold over the course of time. Um, equal first, those two. In third or second, depending on how you look at it, Yarmolenko, he's dropped from uh, 0.8 million from 6 to 5.2. And... Equal fourth or equal third highest drop. There are actually one, two, three, four, five, six, seven individuals who have dropped 0.7 this year. That's luminaries such as Lise Mousset, uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who dropped from eight to seven point three, oh. Alaire, Otamendi, Moise Keane, Billy Sharp, and Shay Adams. He's dropped from six to five point three. So there you go. Lots of it says so much about my season that I've owned quite a few of them. Tom. Oh, no. Including, so including Hudson-Odoi. There's you throwing shade at the 200 owners. <laughs> Including Stag was looking for the ultimate yeah, it, was, it was me and Goops. Um, I think it was after Pulisic went out of fashion, that little period um, after his like big bit of form, and then he went out of fashion at Chelsea. And I was like, oh, I'll just move to the other Chelsea player. And I got oh, no. So it's, it's, it's a Richardson Walcott moment. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> horrendous. And I think I ended, up with, I ended up with Mount as well. So I just like went through all of them. And I had Shea Adams in my game week one team, which I had to sell. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, guess I guess from here, like obviously from reviewing all of those, you, you can see that this season's been a, a particularly interesting one. I'm sure you can remember a lot of these players being in vogue, being in knock. And as Nick's mentioned, there's a few kind of uh, positive bandwagons, or a few uh, perhaps negative ones, like sort of Yannick Vestergaard that like Nick mentioned last week. Players like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to go into whether market or information is more important. That's something for the start of next season. Um, you guys are all, who are still listening, are all very experienced managers, I guess. Um, and, you know, early in the season as well, there's perhaps more of a case to, you know, take a hit or buy a player in earlier on in the in the week just because, you you know, that, that 1 million, that 0.1 million can feel like 0.5. But at this point, we've all got a lot of money. It doesn't really matter too much. 
probably. Um, but do we have any kind of final advice uh, in terms of navigating the FPL market, guys? Any kind of pearls of wisdom? I know that's not really particularly relevant over the last kind of two remaining weeks here. And hopefully that kind of look at uh, the FPL market has spurred some memories on. But I mean, in, in terms of analysis and in terms of thinking about how we'd evaluate what how we'd act in the market going forward. Do we, have we learned anything about this season that is going to inform us going forward or is it still the same? I think for me, it's that I didn't place enough emphasis actually on building squad value. I think I had taken you know, it to the nth degree that value doesn't matter even in the early weeks. It'll work out in the end because I'll accumulate points and then my players will do better. But the fact of the matter was, was that when I started, when I didn't accumulate points as per the plan, I found that it was actually very hard to basically afford anything as this season has gone on and so when a lot of I'd already used my wild card quite early and so when teams were using their transfers to build up um, for after the football returned I, I just didn't have the options that other people have and I still only have a team value at around 103 million and that's actually really hamstrung my ability as time went on so it's like I think it, it becomes a real vogue thing at points in, the, in pre-season and maybe even during the season to be like oh, I don't care about team value it just doesn't matter it always works out no no it doesn't always work out and I think it's just good to remember that it doesn't actually yeah, I think it's quite important, actually. What I'm probably going to try and change in terms of my game is just in terms of reacting a little bit earlier to the market. I'm always kind of saying, oh, you know, leave transfers to the last minute. But especially at the beginning of the season, I do think team value is actually very important because you can get caught out so many times where you're looking at your just happened to me multiple times a season, looked at my transfers, thinking, can I do this move? This is the player I want. No, I can't. I'm 0.1 million short. I'm 0.2 million short. And that's probably because I have missed price rises so i think maybe it's not a bad thing to react to the market when you see these trends happening if you see a player like anthony martial for instance if you don't own him game week one next season he gets a brace in that first week you know people are going to start pouring into this guy straight away aren't they and to react to that get involved catch those um, early rises before he becomes like because if he gets changed forwards he's nine million before he becomes suddenly 10 million and you feel like you've missed out on this guy to, to pick up on that and to get involved early and to react and to, you know, sometimes to join the bandwagon, not be afraid to, to join the bandwagon, especially at the beginning of the season, because you'll, you'll, you'll miss out twice. You'll, you'll miss out on those points and you'll also then miss out on the price rises and you, you'll find yourself caught out quite early. So that's something I might try and think about in terms of my game next season to try and perhaps take a few more early risks. Because um, especially at the start of the season, I feel like the start of the season is such a critical point in juncture to try and like you know really make some headway before mm. everyone becomes too template yeah absolutely i think the i think this season we were a bit too reluctant to endorse or at least kind of look at bandwagons without the data being there to support it i think the next year i think it was going to be the case of embracing that um i think at the moment i'm looking at basically endorsing the idea of wildcarding in game week three game week one and two making a transfer based on what the fashion is game week three wildcard and making that conscious strategy of what I'm going to do. Now, the likes of Jossie, uh, FPL Jossie, and the likes of Luke Wilson, they've basically got an extra, extra premium on me. So they can afford to have a, a ridiculous kind of team because they've got the extra sort of basically 3 million in team value that enables them to do things. I mean, this season we all have, we have options because you've got, you know, the likes of the United lads who are affordable. Uh, but next season, given how it looks at the moment, although I, I, we always do find a way of fitting everybody in, uh, or covering everything at least. I think we're all scared about how next season going to look at this stage. And if the likes of you know Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, Salah, Mane, Bruno, uh, Martial, uh, Jimenez, 
I could go on are all going to be trying to, we're all going to try to fit those guys into our teams alongside the likes of TAA. Wow, okay, we're going to need a lot of money. Um, and in the beginning, we're going to be kind of doing a best fit. We're going to be kind of fitting in kind of around price points. But after a while, we're going to be wanting to try to grow our value to fit these players in, depending on what we know now. Um, there's uncertainty, of course, with the, with the Europa League, with the Champions League, how will City United and Wolves look and cope at the start of next season. Um, but I do think kind of earlier on in the season, exploiting that casual market and exploiting that activity is probably something that we should probably be looking at doing a bit more as engaged managers. Like at this point of the season, the people who are listening, I guess, are going to be engaged managers. So maybe that's something that we should be looking at doing a bit more and being more cynical about because it's a great way of, as Nick mentioned, building value and a great way that towards the end of the season, we can really bring that value to bear in terms of uh, uh, realising points as a dividend uh, to throw in the financial phrase. Great. Okay. Interesting. Let's uh, take a break there and move on to the mini league and questions after this. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Uh, we're back, and I think this week I just want to mention one uh, thing which is particularly close to my heart. So, uh, FPL Whitebeard on Twitter, um, one of the legends who's put together a lot of data and done a lot of work behind Champman FPL. And I heard on Planet FPL that there was a really horrible uh, uh, thing that he and his family are going through that his uh, daughter or his stepdaughter, Sarah, um, has stage two cervical cancer. As, as some of you may know, I'm a cancer survivor myself, and you know, reading through what's going on and, and seeing what's happening with with uh, her and uh, her kids as well, like the what the whole family's going through is absolutely horrendous. Um, uh, basically, long story short, there's a GoFundMe page uh, which I'll link up on my social media accounts. It's GoFundMe.com forward slash f forward slash aj nine xcg hyphen help hyphen sarah S-A-R-A hyphen heal H-E-A-L and it's just uh, basically to help uh, make whatever we can towards her and her family being uh, looked after um, with her not being able to work obviously and and whatever kind of happens with uh, with regards to uh, her going forward um, yeah I mean it's, it's, it's brutal it's, it's horrible what happens and what cats can do to people it doesn't discriminate and loads of people who just don't deserve to go through what Sarah's going through, her family's going through, and by extension, what Tom and his family are going through it happens everybody, everywhere. It's loads of people. And obviously, wish we could help everybody, but seeing what Tom um, had gone through and you know, what he spoke about and uh, reading through this GoFundMe page, if you can do it, like if you can donate any money towards them and towards looking after her family would make a huge difference so um, as i mentioned i'll put this on my social media after this pod but um that's the gofundme and i think it's it's just one of those things that i just want to talk about quickly right okay let's go to the mini league uh to change tack stag what's going on yeah so we'll do a slightly short mini league update given that there is a game to go in this game week so we'll just do a top five uh quickly so this is on live fpl so this is as up to date as we can possibly get it right now uh, so down to fifth from fourth is Alex Coates and his team Haller at me. Uh, 2,322 points, but only 37 of those coming this week. Sterling captaincy, uh, I feel you, bro. Uh, up from fifth to fourth is Jake Gallagher, Sheffield Wednesday, just one point ahead of Alex. Um, with 47 points this week, he captained Pulisic, which I'm sure he was sad about at the time, but I'm 
probably delighted about since then. Uh, up from sixth to third, marking the biggest rise in the top five, is Martin Jansen with his team, hashtag no co enough. Uh, with 2,327 points, he had 58 this week with a minus four. He captained Foden, so another bit of a disappointing captaincy there. Who wasn't disappointed with his captaincy on his free hit, no less. Uh, uh, Bury94, Adam Warner, he captained David Silva. Uh, pretty spectacular run there. He also put Alonso, uh, he put William Foden, Sterling into... Oh, geez, actually, that was a pretty disappointing other duo from uh, Man City that he had in his team. But at least he had that Silva captaincy, which is actually really kind of carrying him along, as well as Ings and and then up in top, up at top, uh, still unplay- unmoved is Nathan Wollaston with his team. The Woolly Ones, two thousand three hundred fifty-three points, fifty-three of those coming this week, and so are uh, forty-three of those coming this week. Sterling captain, um, with a few players left to go. Yeah, well done, Nathan. Um, another decent week for you, and uh, yeah, he's he's right up there in terms of the overall rank in the top fifty at the moment. So yeah, just having an absolute storm of a season there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's move on to the questions. And our, our first question is about game week 37 punts. So, Dempsey FPL asked us for one week punts for game week 37. He's got his free hit to use in game week 38, like myself, and, and two free transfers to use, like myself as well. And um, FPL JMO's also asked us for differentials for the final two game weeks. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you guys are thinking. Any, any thoughts here? Yeah, I've got a few. Um, uh, also, I think we should probably we can probably fold in a couple of questions here too. So, FPL Sears asked if there's anybody from Burnley to recommend, and the Good Morning FPL asked about Chris Wood. So, I've got Wood for Wood. That's probably what I need to talk about here. And um, I went under stat um, uh, as a result of reading Fabio, Fabio Borges' article on the Fans Football Scout actually, and he mentioned that he a lot of the time he looks at players who are. Uh, underperforming compared to their delta. So players who are looking to have some compensation, they need to catch up to wh- where they you know, historically perform. And I found a couple of individuals who are really interesting. And one of them is Chris Wood. So he is, uh, he normally performs kind of pretty much bang on what his XG is. This year, he's 4.27 underperforming his XG. That's including a penalty um, that he took, right? So, and they've got Norwich and they've got uh, Brighton uh, for the final two of the season. And I think that's probably one um, that I think is very worth doing. 6.1 million, that is fairly inexpensive and worth looking at. The other one is a bit more unpopular, but his XG, his, um, his underperformance is uh, a ridiculous almost five. It's Diogo Jota, uh, game week one hero, Diogo oh, Jota. Oh, gee, he's got, oh, he's got, he, yeah, he's got an underperformance, <laughs> an underperformance <laughs> of 4.96. And he's gone on the beach palace next. I hate Jota's guts. But if you are interested in a player who is more due than a 10-month pregnancy, Diogo Jota is probably someone you should be looking at. Oh, and speaking of, his striking partner, Raul Jimenez's wife, is pregnant. Yes, incredibly yeah, enough. Uh, she's due any day. That was, that was, <laughs> was an unexpectedly good link. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but elsewhere, there are a couple. Uh, so Nick mentioned earlier that uh, uh, Son Heung-Ming was being bought a lot. He's now up front with a left-back Kane. And uh, he's got Leicester Crystal Palace next. So Crystal Palace, I mentioned, are on the beach. And Leicester, um, he's going to be pursued by Wes Morgan, whose creaking bones are probably not going to be able to keep up with him. And uh, finally, there's a good end of the season for Brighton. They've got Newcastle and uh, they've got uh, Newcastle and uh, Burnley as the final two, and uh, yeah, the likes of Trossard as I mentioned the other week might be a good idea. 
But Newcastle are particularly really interesting. Like, I wish there was a question on is targeting changing because Newcastle have basically all of their centre backs out injured. Since the restart, Newcastle have made more errors leading to goal for uh, doubling the teams who are second. And uh, they have a higher XGC of 13.38, which is three more than the team in second place. And they've got Brighton and Liverpool in the final two. So target Newcastle, if that's going to be where the operation targets, where they're finally going to end up. Uh, but the likes of Trossard, the likes of Mope. Um, I, I'm not going to buy Mope again. He's in the Joe's category of, I, I hate his guts. Uh, but the likes of Trossard, you know, Stag's early season guy, maybe uh, a good option. As might Lewis Dunk, uh, if you are looking for a defender. Uh, but yeah, you know, Jota would... Son and somebody from Brighton are probably my uh, my, my two-week punts to answer Demti's question and also answer Jamie's question. So I've been looking and I think, honestly, you've kind of um, hit the nail on the head with an, an awful lot of the kind of, you know, mid and lower ranked teams, let's say, players. Your, your Chris Woods definitely looks appealing. Maybe one of the Bournemouth players as they fight off relegation, but not Dominic Solanke. Absolutely not. But maybe actually just... Um, Arsenal are kind of forgotten often. And I think uh, Alex Lacazette's underlying stats aren't particularly good, but he is still actually getting the returns. And so with uh, with Aston Villa and Watford for Arsenal in the next two, I think he's certainly one that's um, worth talking about. And a lot of the other kind of Arsenal attacking players are definitely kind of at least worth considering. But if you were free hitting uh, this particular game week, I think I'd definitely be loading up still on Southampton. I, I just don't fancy uh, Bournemouth to actually pull off this escape and so I think um, Danny Ings I know he's we've named him as the player whose price has risen the most all season but I think he's somehow always being forgotten by FPL managers in the Twitter community at least um, if not in the overall hive I've been looking at Southampton and obviously Ings is he's the ultimate obvious pick so we're not going to talk about him too much but you know there were I thought there were a few don't other don't say Ward Prowse don't say Ward Prowse don't say no, Ward no, Prowse I wasn't going to say Ward Prowse <laughs> no you're from Redmond I was going to well there's also Redmond there's a, ah, also my man Armstrong no. who, who came into the team proceeded to blank sold him and then he's gone and got a couple of assists and a goal in the last few he didn't play this game week but I think that's positive actually because it probably means he's had his rest again it's only 5.2 million um, and again in the forward line if you can't afford Danny Ings say you, for some reason you're selling Mason Greenwood because you, you desperately want Anthony Martial um, to talk about underachievers like Diego Jota, why why don't you go for an underachiever like Shea Adams, who's also been performing pretty well in terms of the underlying stats. He had an XG of minus one, basically means he should have scored last game week. And um, he uh, has had 12 goal attempts, 11 which have been inside the box. So it's only, only four less than Danny Ings. So he's been getting in that box, getting plenty of chances as well. Perhaps should have scored a few more. But um, certainly starting to make a few opportunities for himself. Um, we've barely seen him all season, but he has been starting the, the previous few games. I mean, I've been looking at Danny Ings actually as well. I, I just don't know. I just feel like if you're in the top 100k or whatever that is, I think that's probably a player to bring in. If you're not in top 100k, it's it's basically like bringing in Salah or something. It's it's very kind of conformist. Do I want to do that? Probably not. I want to be a goth here. So maybe I'll be looking at going elsewhere. But yeah, no, completely valid points there. Um, next question is Pulisic of it. So Claret FPL asked for our thoughts on Pulisic or Chelsea options. Do we shift them out now with Liverpool next or with Liverpool looking terrible? versus Arsenal, do we do the complete obverse and actually play them uh, this game week? I mean, they've got the FA Cup this weekend, so we're kind of going in blind a little bit. But 
I mean, they got they still got a little bit of work to do to keep their Champions League spot to themselves. It looks like it's United versus Leicester for the fourth spot. So it looks like they're kind of ensconced and okay there. But I mean, is there still a case to remove Pulisic? I mean, he's going to be my uh, my first sub, I think, uh, for the next game week. Incredibly, um, I'm going to be hoping that the likes of TAA and uh, the newly uh, clown-footed Virgil Van Dijk will be able to keep him out. But yeah, what do you guys reckon? Is it the time to get? rid of Pulisic or would you be kind of saying to people actually play them because Liverpool has lost that solidity they've given up on the beach well firstly I'd probably say the Champions League status is is very far from secure at this particular mm-hmm. moment in time if, if they lose to Liverpool and, and Leicester and Manchester United um, win their next games then Leicester and Man U can go for the the old draw um, like we talked about the West Ham Watford Capoue passing to um, Noble, it'll be a case of Fred passing to Ndidi or something because they could just draw that game because Chelsea's goal difference is far inferior to Leicester's and Manchester United's. So if they all end up on 66 points, that's Chelsea out of the Champions League slots. So I think that Liverpool game is is a must win, at least for them, to be honest, to, to stay in that reckoning or at least a draw. So uh, I don't know. With Chelsea's fixtures, they are tough. You know, Liverpool and Wolves. Certainly with Pulisic, I'm, I'm probably not going to sell him, but I'm probably going to actually bench him, to be honest, this game week. And just just uh, because I've got sort of eight sort of decent midfielders and forwards in my team, looking at the players and the fixtures, he, he seems the obvious call. And if you're, you know, you know, if you're thinking about selling someone, then he's an easy pick to bring, easy person to sell to bring in. And, you know, one of these players that's doing a bit better, maybe in Manchester City, extra asset or Manchester United, asset for that for that tough game so you know the, the fixtures kind of are putting me off Chelsea generally here oh I, I definitely play Pulisic if I had him um and I definitely wouldn't be talking about selling him like as you say Nick that 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 Chelsea team season is effectively defined by their next two games and they really can't afford to slip up in either of them Liverpool have very little to play for now and even if they do put in a quote-unquote proper performance I don't necessarily think that they will beat that Chelsea team right now. It's just like when one and two percent make a huge difference in games at this level. I actually wouldn't fancy Liverpool to beat this Chelsea team. Like obviously they they should based on the rest of this season, but they've dropped off so much and they seem to have so little to play for. And they're certainly showing that. That I, I definitely don't think that you should be getting sick of Pulisic. Oh, interesting. So I, I'm actually the other way. I'm I'm happy to bench him I think um, and I've uh, taken solace in the numbers um, basically I looked at Liverpool's XGC um, from the first 30 games I compared it with XGC from the last six and I looked at it from open play as well so I removed penalties or whatever and set plays um, they had a 22.8 XGC in the first 30 games which is an XGC of uh, 0.76 per game and in the last six it was 0.83 so the reality is that it hasn't really moved that much yeah, but they haven't completely fallen apart. And if you watch the game versus Arsenal, I mean, obviously as an Arsenal fan, I was wearing the colours or was wearing the blues, the bruised banana. But the reality was both the goals that they scored were absolutely gift wrapped. And I mean, maybe that's a sign of a wider malaise, or maybe that's just a sign of the fact that they they got unlucky in that game. Um, I mean, he's obviously ticking along very, very well. Um, and if you do have him and he's an option to play, I play him. I wouldn't be too worried about at the moment the fact that Liverpool being the fact that I wouldn't play him. And then I've got an embarrassment of riches in my team where I've got eight players in the front eight who could all play. So Pulisic looks like the one who could be benched at the moment. 
but I mean, that just depends on, well, actually, I'm not going to have time, basically, because the FA Cup matches happen off the deadline, don't they? Uh, so maybe I'll be holding on to the fact that their XGC hasn't changed that much uh, between the 30 and the 6 um, uh, to end up playing Pulisic. But no, I mean, I, I think if there's arguments either way, basically put it that way. It basically depends how your team's looking. If you do have like a designated you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin or like an Enkati or something like that that you're happy to bench, then that's cool. Um, but if you've got a player who, uh, if you've got eight players and you need to find somebody to bench, then maybe there's a case to bench Pulisic. I don't know. Um, yeah. Right, next question. The striker zone. Uh, so Paul, the FPL, Jamal Zod, and two good FPL asked about strikers. Particularly Kane and Aubameyang. Sorry, Harry Kane, striker. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly enough, he, he, I think I heard he plays there occasionally. Wow. Um, was rested versus Liverpool, and Harry Kane's been chilling out in centre back for a little while. Uh, but they both been mentioned as big differentials to end the season with. What do we reckon? They're definitely differentials, that's for sure. Like, I guess, look, I've I've talked up Arsenal already, and I'll continue to talk a good game on that. And look, as Aubameyang was rested you'd obviously have to um, suggest at least that he'll do well. And I think those casuals that we were talking about early who will, you know, sort by points and look one game week into the future will certainly be bringing in somebody like Aubameyang. The problem is, is that I think once the uh, the meta is to bring in Aubameyang, it tends to just go wrong, but he then, you know, explodes. Like, could he, would he get a brace in one of these two games? It's, it's very, very possible. And that is the problem with him. Kane, on the other hand, um, a much more uncertain proposition. And you just never quite know how things are going to go when someone is playing defensive midfielder slash centre-back, sometimes striker. Yeah, I think Aubameyang, it's um, quite clear that he's a, he's a very good differential pick for these final two game weeks with the fixtures they've got. Aston Villa and Watford, I think certainly for the free hit team I've mentioned before, he's probably going to come in for me for that home match against Watford in, in game week 38. Kane, as you said, he, he's, an, he's an interesting option. He's not really on my radar. Obviously, I've talked about it before, that the cost of him is it's just far too expensive for player um, before this game week was, you know, matching Connor Cody or finding it hard to kind of even outscore the likes of Connor Cody. But, you know, he, he did get his brace. I saw um, on Twitter the big man, Bacar, um, had highlighted as well that he'd been involved in 11 of 13 Spurs big chances post-restart. They haven't been creating many chances as a club, but at least... When there's a, a Spurs attack, Harry Kane seems to be their talisman. He's the he's the guy that's involved in a lot of those um, attacks. So, you know, there might be hope for him yet, um, especially come next season if he gets a bit more creativity within that Spurs team and he has a bit of a price fall. But um, with Leicester next, you know, Leicester were pretty solid, even with West Morgan, um, the 34-year-old um, or 35-year-old putting in a performance at centre-back. Uh, still got a few legs on him. They were pretty good tonight, so I probably wouldn't. Um, yeah, go for Harry Kane as any better FPL option but- out there. Let's not forget game week 37, 2016, 17. Four when Harry goals. Kane got four, yeah. Oh, I did, <laughs> Against yeah, Leicester. I was thinking that was... Uh, <laughs> let's hope that happens again as a Spurs fan. <laughs> that would be nice to see. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, it was I, a different team, though. Yeah, well, definitely it was a different team. Different manager, probably more importantly. Um, different world, you might even add. <laughs> oh, a different world, Demi. Uh, back in the time of uh, the house in Days of Hope. Right, 
the reality is here that if you are going down this path of a premium striker, you've already made the set of decisions which allow you to be there. A lot of people aren't going to be able to be there. But if you are looking at these two players, you've got that liquidity to be able to go there. So what I've done is I've compared the two players, Aubameyang versus Kane. I'm not surprised. Well, maybe I'm surprised, actually. Uh, but I'm not surprised. Uh, maybe you wouldn't be surprised to hear, but because Aubameyang's been the left cent- the left wing back and Harry Kane's been the centre-back, um, that Harry Kane's XG is actually a lot higher than Aubameyang's is. In fact, a, a damn sight higher. So since the restart, um, Harry Kane's XG has been 4.63. Aubameyang's been 1.82. Um, yeah, really interesting. Um, Kane's got slightly more pen, pen box touches. Um, he's got a better minutes per goal. He's got a little bit, a few more attempts, a few more attempts in the box. Um, and he's also got a higher kind of frequency of attempts. So he has an attempt every 28 minutes compared to Aubameyang's 36 minutes. Um, none of this data particularly excites me. Um, both players have had limitations surrounding how they've been playing. Both teams have had limitations around surrounding how they've been playing. Um, if you look at what Magnus Carlsen was saying about these players, he said that he hated both of them, especially Aubameyang. He said he wasn't inspiring, wasn't interested in him. Um, it seems like a case of price value heuristic where you're saying, okay, I've got a lot of money to spend. I'm going to spend it on a player who is at the top end of what I can afford. Um, but the reality is neither of these players, neither of these teams are particularly interesting. And Nick and I are both Arsenal and Spurs fans. So this is this is a completely objective. Uh, both our teams suck. I, if, if you are interested in going that way, then fair enough. But I mean, I mean Aubameyang has been rested. He's going to play in the FA Cup. And then we've got a decent couple of fixtures for the end of the season, haven't we? I can see why you might be looking at them to some extent. Aston Villa and Watford, but... Good striker plays bad team, but will good striker even get chances is basically yeah, the question. Yeah, I mean, he's not Rashford, is he? I mean, he's still kind of getting involved in the defensive side of it. He doesn't seem to be kind of doing what we want him to do. Like, if, even back to Norwich, where I captained him and had a really good time out of that. Both his goals are absolute gifts. So, yeah. It's, remind it's, me. It's not, it's, not, it's not that exciting. Neither of them are that exciting. I'm sure you can spend your money better elsewhere. But two good FPL is third in the world. So I'm guessing he will take this advice, listen to it, and just ignore it completely and do better than, we've ever, than we could ever do. So there you go. Right. And next question. Getting Sykes again. Uh, FPL Yogi has asked, how the onslaught of game weeks has impacted our behavior as FPL managers? I'm going to widen this as well to our... Uh, our experience as FPL content creators. So as FPL managers, what do you think is going on? And as FPL content creators, how have you guys found uh, coming up with or at least doing notes uh, so frequently compared to normal? Uh, Nick, I know you've got a, a, a wailing baby often. Uh, how has it been to try to fit that in alongside the hectic work life? Um, exhausting. <laughs> well, I know you have to do the edit as well, so you've got that added. Um, but it's ten just to add some context. It's ten to midnight right now, and uh, we're still uh, recording, still getting through the content uh, for the game week. Uh, it's it's definitely been an added challenge. I think just the just the turnaround's been pretty intense with all these midweek games, and I've preached about taking time around your transfers, your decisions, making sure you've done your proper analysis before you make your transfers. But the reality is with, with this this quick turnaround, it's this 
hardly time for that really especially when you've got families when you've got an in quite a busy work life where you can't necessarily sit there idling about on on fancy football scale or fancy football hub looking at xg stats and trying to pick your uh, your forwards or midfielder that comes into your fpl team and there's been sort of very tight deadlines as i said you know the game week finishes and then the next match is within 24 hours pretty much so i think that has been um has been a little bit of a challenge but it has been all the same you know really fun really nice to have the football and the sport back as well considering we kind of went through this fallow period of three months or something with very little to do and all of us being stuck inside and we're all mostly stuck inside still or kind of reality as we're all working from home in lockdown so it's it's kept me busy and kept my mind active which you know has been good as well because otherwise I've, I've, well, I've barely been out or haven't had a drink in a pub for about six months or something so it's been in fun as well to do this. Uh, so, so I think for me, like I guess, look, I'm I'm on the podcast at the moment, but uh, not quite right now. But all season and all of the last few seasons, I have also been writing a column every week. So I guess, like you guys, I'm preparing a good set of documents every week for the last <laughs> few years at this point ahead of the football, so I can share the same thing. And and I would say that, like, okay, FPL management and following the stats for me, if I get to do as much work as I would love to do every week I tend to do well if I fall in the middle ground between barely thinking which I can't do because I have to prepare for a podcast or write an article slash both um or unless I get to that like point of having done every bit of prep and considered every imaginable thing I find that things tend to go a little bit poorer than I'd like them to um I guess the, the 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 back yeah this season being the perfect example to that but I guess no more than everyone's life the background to uh, the season is always um, maybe a huge factor in how much preparation you can do and I know you've you guys have families etc for me I've lived in three countries I've done two different sets of exams I've done all sorts of random things over the course of this season alone and um, that does tend to have its um, effect on you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten game weeks in the season, not to mind everything else. So, um, yeah. Oh, one other thing I would say as well is maybe Yogi was asking about the onslaught of game weeks impacting our behavior. And I would say that and I haven't admitted it on podcast yet. So just Tom, especially, you'll be happy to hear. I have to admit that the zag and not bench boosting in game week 30 was the wrong decision. But that was conditioned by the fact that I just was doing so poorly. I had to try and do something else. But the fact of the matter is that every week I've been trying to do my bench boost and there's just been something has conspired against me, be it... Uh, freaking Leno going off and getting injured or people getting sent off and all this sort of random crap has continued to happen. So I think I'm going to end up bench boosting this coming game week. Um, spoiler for transfers and captains later because <laughs> because I can't do it any other week and I'm going to free hit in game week 38 and I don't feel like free hitting now because I want to move my what's going to be a mediocre game we, um, bench boost one week forward. You know, it's yeah, yeah. a bit of a okay. shit. Well, I mean, um, in terms of uh, how everybody's been dealing with it, I think the stress has definitely been a huge thing. Like in terms of the turnaround, it's double-edged swords. As I was saying a minute, as I was saying in a second, but stress and decision making normally tends to be a big negative because stress and anything makes things worse and frayed. You know, you feel like you're time pressure. You've got to make the decision right now. Um, but it all comes to mean that you're making things on instinct rather than overthinking it over time. So, kind of, you know, in a normal game week, you on you know the Monday, you've you've made a good decision. You've sized up the evidence. You've sized up what you probably need to do 
by Friday even before 10, you're busy buying Trossard or something. Um, so this is quite useful in that you've got kind of a really quick turnaround. You can say, right, this is what I need to do. You identify the problem. And you haven't got the time to overanalyze that problem and go into decision paralysis. Um, so the quick turnarounds mean you don't have that long to dwell and we can get over a bad game week really quickly. Whereas in different times, you end up kind of, Know, flirting with minus four minus eight well otherwise you probably shouldn't be because you've got that monday till friday or saturday sort of time frame to be thinking oh you know what i've just had a 40k red arrow oh so maybe if i take a hit that could mean that i'm all the way up and in reality leaving it might be a better idea as we've spoken about ad nauseam uh with over management or whatever for us, I think that in a normal season, by my calculations, we do 43 podcasts, which is five in the preseason. We do the A to, A to M or the A to L, the M to W, and then we do one on the positions, one on the unwritten rules, and one kind of, all right, the season starts in not very long. Here's our teams. Um, this season, we've done uh, 52 in total. Uh, four, I've done 48. I missed four while I was away. And we're going to end up with 54. So that's uh, you know, 11 more than we normally would do. I'm aware that other podcasts podcast every day. So this isn't a case of uh, counting up numbers. Um, but especially with this particular little season, this little kind of rump of an end season, like, I'm a really hard-working person at times, um, but I've especially had to work pretty hard in this time. Like, podcasts don't appear by magic, and we aren't a banter pod with personalities to carry it. <laughs> so we spend a lot of time doing notes, and you know, pre-pod, we, we have to do a lot of preparation to talk about what we're going to talk about and really kind of nail that down, do a lot of research. And then I don't have an editor. So as Nick alluded to, uh, Muggins here has to sit here editing it, and it's uh, just about midnight now. I'll be up until about 3 a.m. tonight. Uh, editing and producing the podcast for the time being this is i'm pretty sure i've been the hardest working podcast for an fpl this isn't my job basically um the great thing is that i get to start drinking beer but the bad thing is that i've been working eight to eight in my normal job recently uh, as we're really busy and um, so it's been a very sleep deprived time don't have kids like nick so i've been very lucky if i don't have kids and i want to thank those listening for sticking with us and uh, those who have kids i, I kind of uh, now appreciate the reality that you guys have through my sleep deprivation i know we've lost a bit of audience because of this and because of how things have been so we really appreciate people who have stuck with us and still found time to kind of basically put us in our ears but you know, i don't want to get a tiny bit violin out i mean i don't ask for any money and the reason is i do it because i really enjoy doing it um and this just comes to the territory really um but yeah it's really nice to hear that the hard work does get appreciated over time so yeah thank you right next thing the final thing rolling segue uh, so uh, Benny Blanco says, surely it is time to roll your free transfers this week to have free transfer, two free transfers going into the final day. And the Dairy Cracker also mentioned this, you know, isn't rolling the most important. And FPL Audit says, is it even worth taking hits now with just two game weeks to go? Uh, so yeah, uh, interesting times here. And I think maybe we can kind of fold in the transfers and captains and our answers to this question too, to save me time and save for everybody time. Um, but, you know, Audit, what we said about taking a hit last week completely makes sense. So it's completely applicable here. So seven points needed, assuming both players play and both get 90, but the guy you sell gets nothing. Um, you can need those seven points to get a, uh, a profit. Um, taking a hit carries risk. There's the FA Cup this weekend. Two free transfers, as Benny and Derry Cracker mentioned, are fantastic for the Thunder Madness. Uh, but it depends how happy you are of your team and what's going on. So in terms of my transfers and captains, um, I am missing one man, and that is a United forward 
of the Rashford or Martial type. So Greenwood, I think, had a, a fantastic couple of weeks. And I'm joining the ranks of people I parodied earlier who have seen enough of Greenwood. I, I may well be that guy who's just like, I've seen enough of you, Mason. Get out and have great, have a great time next season. But I've had enough of you now. Um, basically, um, my wood for wood uh, means that I've got perfect cash right now to move Greenwood and Vardy out for Rashford and Woods. Um, and I might be doing that and captaining Rashford against West Ham. Um, but that is looking like what I'm going to do. Uh, the alternative is Pulisic for Martial and Maguire uh, to a Burnley defender uh, to cover Pope. I'll think about it. I don't think I've got a price issue tonight. Uh, so probably I'm going to, I will think about it. Um, but I think that's where I'm going to go. Um, but it looks like just preserving rank in general, captaining United player is probably a very good idea. Um, if I was really getting defensive, I'd just captain Fernandez. I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Uh, but Martial or Rashford, whichever one I bring in, probably going to get the captaincy against West Ham. Uh, well, okay. First of all, looking at the free, tran- free transfer rolling and stuff, it just does not apply to me because the fact of the matter is, is I'm going to be free hitting in game week 38. If you did, if you weren't free hitting in game week 38, by all means, I think you could, if you want to do something really spectacular and let's say bring in David Silva or something for game week 38 and make, you need to make two transfers to do that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Then I, I totally would uh, get with the idea of having uh, two free transfers but otherwise just work away um unfortunately for me i need to bench boost this week it's not that i want to i need to bench boost this week um haters will say it's bad planning i'll say it's a uh, the world has conspired against me but um charity taylor is now orange flagged so i need to figure out what's going on there and if i have to i will swap him probably for another burnley defender or somebody else who's cheap playing someone crap basically so that i can have 15 players that are actually playing for my bench boost and that will be the most boring transfer otherwise I may do something daft and do another minus eight just because because that's how things are going and I'm kind of getting that sort of thing out of my system but overall um, probably just Charlie Taylor for a free, to inter- free transfer Okay, so uh, rolling again for you is, is a no-go because of where you are similar to me Nick, I, as the kind of stereotypical boring man are you rolling? I bet you are already got two free transfers so i'm saying oh he's already done i've got the i've got the free hit as well haven't i so um so yeah um in terms of the questions uh, obviously uh i've been trying to avoid hits up until the end of the season i just i don't really see the appeal there to take more hits it's kind of just a bit of a lucky dip at the moment isn't it in terms of the starts and everything that's going out and the form table has been shambolic as well all over the shop so apart from Manchester United perhaps so I think yeah I'm not really interested in um, in hits well I can't take a hit now but I suppose I could if I want to do free transfers but I'm not going to bother I'm only going to do two um, and yeah I think if, in regards to Bernie's question by all means if you want to roll over to game week 38 where you might get some early team news um, you know, for that final game week and then take that final gamble on game week 38. Um, sounds perfectly logical to me. I think, um, in terms of my chances, it's, I'm probably going to bring in Heat Ings for the um, Jimenez for the Bournemouth game. I might as well just, I haven't owned Danny Ings all season. Just bring him in for, for uh, 37. I might as well. Um, but I'm also going to have to do something in my defence because I've still got Soyuncu. I didn't bother selling him in the end. He just sat on the bench this game week. But I don't really fancy playing Aaron Cresswell against Manchester United, so uh, he's going to go. 
Um, I think oh, actually, I saw Inchu's going to go, but probably for someone boring like Bolly or uh, or uh, Taco or something. I've been looking for decent um, decent fixtures. I was, I was even thinking about an Arsenal defender. I don't know what I was thinking about what that. What are you doing? Uh, no. Um, no. It's just depending on who I want to double up on, either Wolves or Burnley. Um, because I know whoever I double up on is, is certainly going to lose that clean sheet after the 90th minute. It's an absolute guarantee. So uh, I've just, just got to decide who's going to punish me, whether it's a pooky uh, 93rd minute goal or, or Zaha gets fouled oh, in the if box. It's, if it's Cant- Cantwell from my bench boost and taking out the Burnley clean sheets, my word, that would be astounding. I'm sure I'm sure Roman Sice will yellow, get yellow carded fouling Zaha in the box in the 93rd minute. I think that, as I said uh, before we came online, I think that the fact is that our uh, screw the defence uh, in a complete inversion of game week one uh, in a kind of nice poetic justice sort of way is definitely coming home to Bruce now. Uh, with how bad the defence has become over the course of the season. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, you, your man, your man Maguire, um, was one of the highest scoring defenders this week, actually, oh, with his right point. Uh, but trash. yeah, um, my captain as well is probably going to be Bruno. I haven't actually captained him all season, so I might as well give him the armband, do things I haven't done all season that I really should have, such as captain Bruno and yeah, play Danny Ings, bring Danny Ings in. Yeah, I actually didn't say who my captain would be. I think it'll also be a Man United attacker against West Ham, although I was thinking Martial or... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going with my new policy of never captaining a forward ever again, so it's um, Martial probably. Anyway, that'll finish up the podcast for this week and get Tom to his editing session for the night. So we were who got the assist. We'll be back on Wednesday for the penultimate pod of this season. Yep, and we were also starting to prepare for the pre-season due to the shorter summer that we normally get so yeah it uh, won't won't be long um won't be a long break this summer it's almost going to be straight back into it aren't we as soon as the season finishes yeah uh, god it's going to be uh yeah probably two weeks of having a normal sleep schedule but at least i'll be able to record something in the evening and then the next day edit it rather than as it is now that i'm you know it's past midnight and i've now got two hours three hours ahead of me it's gonna be fantastic hooray uh only two more to go but in the meantime hope to assist you with game week 36 and we'll speak to you on wednesday see ya slant oh it's a goal Sports Social Podcast Network.